This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Hey, good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey, and we are thrilled that you are here with us this morning. Thank you for being a part of Journey Church today. We're, again, so, so excited you are with us. Especially if you are new this morning, I want to encourage you and really everyone uh, to reach into the seat back in front of you. You should find one of these Connect cards. Uh, a Connect card's a great way for you just to kind of let us know that you are here. Um, lots of information you can put on there, prayer requests, decisions that you've made, other things you want us to know. The in- Connect card is an important, important tool we use, and so we would love to have one of those from every family here. So fill it out, and uh, as the ushers come by at the end of our time together, when they're taking the offering, you can drop it in there or uh, in some baskets on your way out today. With that, let me just pause and pray for us, and then we're going to jump in. Lord God, my prayer for all of us right now is that your presence is just felt and real. As we take some moments that we have just uh, sung praise to you for your power and your strength, how you're with us in the storm, how you bring us through, God, we just take a moment collectively to remember. To remember the ways that you have been with us. And as we remember, God, it enables us to trust you more in current situations, in current difficulties, in future challenges. God, work your spirit in us and in this place today. In your name, amen. Well, once again, let me say just welcome. Thank you for being here. You have found us right in between two series. We just finished this series called When Necessary, and it was all about discovering the ways in which Jesus shared hope with the people around him. It came from kind of this famous uh, phrase that had been around Christian circles for a long, long time that said, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. And so we talked about how we could care for people and, and love them, how we could direct a conversation to a spiritual place, have a spiritual conversation. It was a really, really good series. I know I learned a lot. I hope you did too. Next week, uh, we're going to start a series. I think you probably still have uh, a card in your um, program called Overbooked. Overbooked is about uh, just that challenge that we so often face when you open up your calendar and you go, oh my goodness, look at all these things. Look at all of these tasks to be accomplished, all these places uh, to be. The kids need to be here and I need to be here. So many of us feel overbooked. And I bet that you have some friends who feel that way too. 
How many times have you uh, started a conversation and you've asked someone, how are you doing? So busy, right? That's the first response. Maybe that is just a little opening uh, that you could have a spiritual conversation with them. Uh, tell them, hey, we're talking about that at church for the next four weeks. We're going to find out what God has to say about being overbooked, overscheduled, finding peace and some balance in life. So uh, that all starts next week. I hope that you will plan to make that a priority to be around for that new series. This week, as we're kind of in between these two series, what I wanted to do was to take a moment and I wanted to talk about what I think is a challenge to our faith. A challenge to our faith. Today I want to talk about what happens when our consumerism invades our spiritual life, our faith. Uh, One of the places we see this most vividly is in commercials. Uh, According to the American Marketing Association in 2017, an individual can see up to 10,000 brand messages a day. Pop-up ads on your uh, computer, commercials, billboards, magazine promotions, um, uh, company logos on a t-shirt. The list goes on and on and on. This week I I read an uh, article uh, from an author named Donald Miller about one kind of uh, commercial, one uh, brand that he kept seeing over and over again, the magic bullet. Not kind of the mythical one, the the literal one, right? The, The magic bullet that chopped up all your food. He saw all these commercials, and uh, there would be things like uh, there would be an attractive woman, and she would be putting some fruits and some vegetables into this thing, and you would drink it, and the pounds just came off, right? Or maybe you were feeling a little lonely, and it's no problem. All you need is some uh, tomatoes and some onions and magically you have salsa and like 15 smiling friends show up at your door to experience your amazing salsa, right? These are the images that that he described that he talked about seeing again and again. He said one day he was kind of stuck writing and so he was borrowing a friend's cabin for a couple weeks out in the woods. He was supposed to get away from everything He opened the cabinet doors, and there it was, the magic bullet. Now, he was supposed to be focused in writing and all this stuff, right? And he said, I dropped everything. I got back in the car. I drove all the way back into town, and I bought um, a tomato and some onions. Came back, put all the things away, put the tomato and the onions He was ready for the salsa. Listen to how he describes it. He says, I couldn't have been more disappointed. I was expecting a miracle and all I got was baby food, right? He just chopped it up really fine. Isn't that a picture of how we live so often, 
We always think that there's this magic bullet, this thing that is going to fix whatever problem is before us. We need to just push some little button and instant gratification comes and floods over us. But then reality sets in. And so often we're left disappointed. We had all these high expectations of what we wanted and when we wanted it. We wanted it right now. We wanted it to be easy. Just press the button. We did it. And we're left disappointed. The tall, slender model who was drinking the smoothies, she was already beautiful and skinny. The Friends who magically showed up with smiles on their faces to enjoy that fresh, amazing salsa. They were paid to be there. Life isn't a commercial. But so often, we act like it is. So often, we act like it is. We want what we want now, and we want it without any hassle. Easy, immediate. Not only does this kind of set some unrealistic expectations in life and in our relationships, inevitably this attitude leaks its way into our faith. When that happens, we feel entitled. We feel impatient, we become unfaithful. In short, as this kind of consumer mentality, it it leaks into our faith, what happens is we begin to think like a customer and we are the center of everything. Our wants, our needs, our schedule, ours, ours, ours. Jesus, Jesus directs us to be the exact opposite. He tells us to put God first, to put others before ourselves. This twisting of priorities This twisting of priorities, this looking for fast answers, it's not unique to us. We find it again and again in the scriptures. One of the places that we find it is in the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last um, book of the Old Testament. It's the recordings of the prophet Malachi. And it happens about a hundred years after Israel returns to Jerusalem. A little uh, history background here, just for a second. If you'll remember so much of the Old Testament, and we've spent a lot of time talking about this, Israel is on their way to the promised land, to Jerusalem, to this area around Jerusalem. This land that God has promised them, that he says is going to be the best land And so finally they've gotten there, 
and things are okay for a while, especially under David and some of the other kings. But then Israel's unfaithfulness continues. They become unfaithful and eventually they lose the promised land. They lose it to the Babylonians. And then they are kind of carted off to Babylon where they're slaves again. Eventually, though, they are freed from Babylon. They come back. They rebuild the the, uh, walls around Jerusalem. They rebuild the temple. And so this is about 100 years after all of that. The prophet Malachi uh, is trying to remind the people. Oh, I'm sorry. And and here's the challenge, though. Um, When the, the people of Israel, when they came back, they had these really high expectations. He said, okay, well, we, you know, we, we had this hiccup. We got uh, taken by the Babylonians, but now we're back. We rebuilt the city walls. We rebuilt the temple. Everything is going to be great now. God is going to come. He's going to uh, spite our enemies. Justice will rain down. The Messiah is going to come. The kingdom of God is going to happen right here, and he's going to rule from Jerusalem. All the prophecies are going to be fulfilled. That's what they thought was going to happen. The problem was that the people who repopulated Jerusalem were just as unfaithful as those who lost it in the first place. And so in the book of Malachi, he is prophesying, uh, reminding the people again and again their unfaithfulness, that they're not upholding their part of the deal, that they're not being the people God has called them to be. And there's kind of this really interesting, uh, not numeric, it doesn't matter. Um, there's this really interesting uh, a device that's used in the book of Malachi that um, is, is kind of this, uh, this way it's written, there's a debate that happens. And so it kind of follows this pattern. God makes a statement, and then the people of Israel, they have a rebuttal. They kind of have an argument. They say, well, what about this? Or is that really true? They have some questions about what God says, and then God gets the final word. And that happens six times in the book of Malachi. Today, I want to talk to you about, I think it's maybe the fifth time. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. It says this. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. He's talking about his covenant that he has made with them. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. That's God telling them, return to me, he says, and I will return to you. Here's Israel's response. But you ask, how are we to return? Then God replies again, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? Israel questions, but you ask, how do you rob? In tithes and offerings. 
Verse 9 says, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. And then, then all the nations will know They will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God, God is calling Israel back. He's calling them back from their unfaithfulness. I love verse 6 where God says, I haven't changed I'm holding up my end of the deal. You are the ones who have changed. You're the ones who aren't being the people I have called you to be. You're ignoring my commands. You're following other gods, but I haven't changed. God uh, continues then in verse 7. He says, return to me. Return to me. Be my people again. Follow my commands. It's what Jesus, or what God says to Israel. It's what God says to us. Israel responds. What have we done that is so wrong? How could we return to you? The book of Malachi is full of examples of how Israel has turned away from God. They question God's love for them right in the very first verses of the book of Malachi. uh, They bring offerings to the temple, but they bring the worst. If they had some animals that were sick and ill, they brought them. If they had crops, they brought the bruised and the molded ones. They worshipped other gods that they took back with them from Babylon and other places. It says there was poverty and injustice around them, and they did nothing about it. In verse 8, God says, you rob me of a tithe. A tithe is simply the first tenth of, of what someone earns. They were to give it to God. And the tithe is a specific way that God calls us to demonstrate our trust in him. God's not saying here, hey, I need your money, and if you give me your money, then I'm going to bless you in this way. God's saying, I long for you to trust me. I long for you to demonstrate that trust. See, Israel. Israel is acting like we act so often. They're looking for a quick answer, an easy button. They want their problem fixed. They want it fixed now. And when it doesn't happen, and when it doesn't happen in the time frame that they want it, they start looking for answers on their own. That sound familiar? In their context, 
They kind of kept things to themselves. Started giving less of themselves to God. They ignored the needs of people around them and they knew they were called to meet those needs, but they were uh, afraid. They kind of had to hold on to what they had because it might be gone. They, were, they had the scarcity mentality. They worshiped other gods. They withheld their trust. All because things weren't going their way. They would, wanted to be consumers of religious goods. They wanted what they wanted when they wanted it. And when God didn't respond to them the way they wanted, they started looking for answers in other places. But God doesn't call us to be consumers. God calls us to be conduits of his love and his grace. Jesus is famous for turning things upside down, right? Saying things like, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. And one of the current ways that I think that that gets kind of fleshed out in our world, in our society, is in a consumer-driven culture that says it's all about me. I'm the center of attention. Please me and do it now. Christians are to put others before themselves. We're to sacrifice and serve, and help, and protect, and create, and to love. And that's a countercultural way to live. It's a way to live that is the opposite of what most of the people around us are thinking about on a daily basis. Author Stephen Madison says it, this way. Christians encourage, consumers complain. Christians empower, consumers criticize. Christians sacrifice, consumers hoard. Christians forgive. Consumers hold grudges. Christians work together. Consumers try to top one another. Christians volunteer. Consumers take. Christians generously give and consumers quickly obtain. Christians protect, consumers destroy. Christians love people, consumers love things. When consumerism 
sneaks its way into our faith. It's so prevalent in our world. It's so easy to think that way when it sneaks into our faith. It drives us to selfishness. But when we follow Jesus, when we follow Jesus, we find ourselves loving and serving and forgiving and putting others before ourselves. find ourselves patient, not entitled, not demanding easy answers and abandoning belief when they don't come when we want. What I'm driving at today is that this consumer mentality can so easily leak into our faith, into how we think about who God is and how we relate to him, but it has no business there. In the next two verses in Malachi, verses 13 and 14, it says this. God says you have spoken Hard and rude words to me. Israel responds, when you ask, uh, you ask, when did we ever do that? And God says, when you said it doesn't pay to serve God, what did we ever get out of it? Essentially, Israel is asking, God, what have you done for me lately That's a consumer question, right? It's not a faithful question. But it's a question that can so easily invade our heart. Because every day we have 10,000 messages that come to us saying, you're the center. What's God done for you lately? Today, as we close, as we come to kind of a last song, Daniel's going to come and play for us. What I wanted to do was to take these last few moments and just to, to read that list of characteristics again for you. The difference between a Christian and a consumer. And as we're going through this list, as you see them on the screen, as you hear me share them, ask yourself, which of these two words described me more this last week? Ask yourself, you know, when it comes to my heart, my attitude about challenges coming up, about how I'm seeing the future, about how I'm kind of thinking right now, Which of these words, of these characteristics, describe me? And we'll let that kind of guide us into a time of prayer. Christians encourage, consumers complain. 
Christians in power, consumers criticize. Christians sacrifice, consumers hoard. Christians forgive, consumers hold grudges. Christians work together, consumers try to top one another. Christians volunteer, consumers take. Christians generously give, consumers quickly obtain. Christians protect. Consumers destroy. Christians love people. Consumers love things. We pray with me. Lord God, as we go through that list, I know that there are many of those words that when I see them and I think, okay, in the last week, have I been an encourager or a complainer? If I've been sacrificing or hoarding, forgiving or holding grudges, God, so many of those. I can see places in which that consumerism, that mentality that is so prevalent in our world, so dominant in how we think, has leaked into my heart. And God, I know when that mentality leaks into our heart, it drives me to selfishness and it drives me away from you. And God, I'm guessing I'm not the only one today. And so collectively, we just ask, we ask that you forgive our self-centeredness, our slide to think about us rather than you, about others. And God, we ask today that you empower us, that you fill us with your spirit, that you fill us with contentment, with a mind and a heart that is compassionate towards the people all around us. God, remind us of your abundance. Help us to forget about our scarcity mentality that says we've got to grab everything and hold it close quick before it's gone. God, as we think about the week coming up, help us to imagine it as a week filled with generosity and forgiveness and encouragement love for people. 
Because God, we know that's what you call us to. Remind us of that this week. Remind us of that right now. Help a shift to happen in our heart. Where we say we want to be defined by these Christian characteristics rather than these cultural uh, consumer characteristics. Help us with that today, God. In your powerful and wonderful name we pray. Amen.